Fat Pratt. My abs would get insanely sore for doing eight to 10 straight minutes of abs. I don't know if it were the most effective use of my time to actually engage abs. It was just kind of like I was resting probably more than I was working because my abs are so fatigued and I was constantly only getting reps under high fatigue. So I was never accomplishing a full set of abs after that first minute of like, let me start fully recovered and let me go through full fatigue to the point of like ab exhaustion, the way a set kind of should be done. Good morning, Fat Pratt Chat. And I say good morning because as I'm recording this, it is actually 5.15 a.m. Don't ask me why I'm up at 5.15 a.m. recording this. Uh, And wherever you are, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is. This is the Fat Pratt Chat. I am your host, John. And today is all about abs in our episode. If you haven't caught that from our intro and our title, we're going to go over phrases such as, I can't feel my abs. Sit-ups are bad for your back. Planks are the best ab exercise. Uh, the the common saying, I just feel my hips when somebody's doing, let's say, a leg lower or a uh, sit-up or something like that. And then uh, as well as we'll touch on when the industry went to an anti-movement approach to abdominal training versus a movement approach. So there's ways you can train your abs to resist movement and there's ways you can train your abs to cause movement. We'll talk about if one is better than the other and why the industry went that direction and where the industry is now. Uh, we then talk about categories of ab exercises in our own programs here at Pratt Performance Systems, how we categorize abdominal exercises and then filter them down into your programs. All of that is in today's episode. I don't want to spoil anything else. Although I will say these have been two really good episodes back to back. We had fat loss. Now we have abs. I actually don't even know where we could take the podcast from here, to be honest. Uh, but that being said, we'll figure out a way. Let's talk about your abs right now. Abs, talking about abs. <laughs> <laughs> Do I just oh, give away topic? Can you please so. keep going with that? <laughs> I'm gonna make it sound like chapstick, chapstick, or traffic. What traffic is that? From, uh, Malibu's Most Wanted. Not familiar. You never saw Malibu's Most Wanted. Nope. Is it a movie show? I have no idea. It's a movie. A podcast. Well, I don't the, know what the, it is. Are you? You never heard of Malibu's, Malibu's Most, Wanted? Most Wanted? Nope. Nope. The white guy wants to be a rapper. He's not very good. His dad's running for office. No, sounds yeah. a lot like a copy of White Man Can't Jump. He ends up in a He gang. wants to be a basketball player, not very good. <laughs> Can't jump. All right, you have homework. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I got some homework to we'll do. We'll talk about that on the next podcast. We should take a poll. Let's see how many people who are listening to this right now have heard about Malibu's Most Wanted, because I haven't heard about it until just now. I, I, think the, I think we'll win that you one. You think you'll be over 50% have heard about 58, it? 58-42 have heard about Malibu's Most Wanted. Of that 58, 40% have watched it. We're going to put this on the story. And... <laughs> I don't know. I guess we'll find out. You know what All he right, didn't so. have? Whatever his name was in that movie. Mm, I know where you're going with this, though. He didn't have abs. <laughs> he didn't work out. He didn't have core strength. He didn't. He didn't know how to stabilize around the midsection. He had love handles. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, today's topic: three letters, ABS, abs. That's all we're talking about today: abs, how to get them, how not to get them. <laughs> <laughs> just starve yourself and you'll be fine. Just kidding. Uh, but this is this is a big topic, and, and I wanted to talk about this today mostly because we were talking about it yesterday in our first weekly trainers meeting. But it's like 
it's such a catch-22 for us as programmers. And paint the scenario of this. We tell a member to go perform these two exercises for 10 minutes. And let's say those two exercises, is, one of them is squats, one of them is straight leg sit-ups, and they're gonna do 10 of each. And they're gonna do as many rounds as they can. And then we tend to over glorify the amount of rounds they accomplish. And when we do that, the members think, oh, I need to get my work done faster. And then when they do that, they kind of rush through their reps, especially of the ab exercise. They accomplish more rounds, but they feel less abs. So our entire conversation for 20 minutes yesterday was about how do we not over prioritize the amount of rounds a member gets with when an abs an ab exercise is included in their circuit and we have them go controlled enough to feel a ton of abs without feeling like they're not getting enough done because the amount of sets that they accomplish has taken a hit yeah you know so i thought that was a really good uh conversation that we had yesterday of how we're going to talk about that and then we'll talk about it again tomorrow uh with the strategies that we potentially came up with but the but it really stems from probably the most people I'm, i know you've heard it a ton on the floor is hey i don't feel abs i'm doing yeah. this ab exercise and i don't feel them uh -huh. what's up yep what is up so that's the <laughs> that's the first statement we're gonna go over spoiler alert we're gonna go over a lot of statements that we hear often and uh, i think it's gonna be great to break these all down briefly and the first one that we hear a lot is, I don't feel my abs. And, you know, for us, it's like, it's, it's an interesting thing because if we know you're doing an ab exercise, personally, I, I kind of want you to feel them, but I don't want you to think that you need to completely stop and think that you're doing it totally wrong just because you mm. don't feel them. And we've talked about that in a previous episode, how um, I guess uh, somebody put it when I was at one of the seminars, feelings aren't always facts. You know, they're, they're, they're usually pretty good. A lot of times we'll ask you certain things and then eventually ask you a question like, where are you feeling this? And that kind of confirms or, um, uh, yeah, I guess confirms some of our suspicions either way, whether we think, let's take a deadlift, for example. Mm -hmm. If we're like, you know, you look pretty good. Like we see a couple reps and we make a couple corrections and we're like, hey, you know, it, visually this checks out, but I want to like add a little on top just to like get a little more confirmation. Like, where are you feeling this? And somebody says hamstrings and glutes. I'm like, great. So that just confirmed what I thought. And then if they say, ah, you know, I, I'm not really sure. I'm like, okay, I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. But if they say, you know, just my back, yep. like that, that, that swings me to like, you know what? It looks good, but it's not good. Yep. So that's the tangent on how we use some feelings as part of the puzzle, but it's definitely not the main portion. So now back to abs, somebody comes up to you, James, and says, I'm doing uh, crunches, sit-ups, leg raises, anything, and I don't feel my abs. What's your answer to them? Yeah, so one check position, like let's actually watch them do the exercise and see if what they're doing, whether it be like static or holding the exercise, let's say planks, or whether it be the sit-up example, whether it's dynamic, let's see if like the bones are going through the appropriate ranges of motion and doing the appropriate things that we think they should feel abs. And then two, and I think probably more importantly than one, is at what pace, especially in a dynamic ab exercise, are they moving at? Because we see it all the time. If we're doing the straight leg sit-ups and we're doing a set of 10 and we fly through it, we're potentially not feeling a ton of abs. Um, like you mentioned before, does that make them less effective? Uh, possibly. Uh, but more importantly, like if we want you to feel abs, can we at least can we at least show you and sell you on the fact that you can get a high ab stimulus and sensation by slowing down a little bit? You know, so let's let's say, for example, all right, instead of 10 
and uh, we'll, I'll do this in assessments with a lot of members all the time. Instead of 10, let's do five, but let's go down five seconds from these sit-ups. And then they'll feel abs a ton, especially on the lowering portion of it. And then maybe I'll say, let's take away that moment of relaxation on the ground when the shoulders and head touch. And now right before the shoulders and head touch, let's keep engaged in the abs. And now let's come up from there. Almost like that bodybuilding thought process of don't let the muscle relax at the top or bottom for too long mm -hmm. uh, so we can keep tension on that muscle. So I think that's classic with the sit-ups. It's a great example because you see people that can kind of use momentum to throw themselves into somewhat of a sit-up and get in a good position at the top, and then they just kind of fall back down. So you really only used your muscle for a split second to yeah. like initiate the motion getting up, and you also use some momentum. So your abs contracted very briefly to get you up there, and then they kind of did nothing for the rest of the time. Yeah. You know, that, that's an extreme statement, but, you know, to, to our point, there's not much happening anymore unless you, like you said, maintain tension, go through the motions slowly and um, thoughtfully, and then, you know, don't fully release tension at the bottom and come back up. It's going to be a totally different exercise. Yeah, 100%. So I think that that's the, the biggest thing if someone says they don't feel them. Let's watch the exercise. Let's see how it looks. Let's make sure everything's lining up mechanically. Uh, and then from there, are we feeling more abs if we slow it down? Um, if, we, if we have someone who's getting in the right positions and they're still not feeling abs, then that's kind of interesting. And we've had women in that circumstance, like post-C-section mm, women that yeah. have had a lot yeah. of trouble feeling abs. Um, so, you know, that, does that mean that the abs aren't working? You know, again, I, I'm, I don't know. I think we're still getting plenty of, of, uh, of ab recruitment, but maybe we're just not sensing them to the degree that we want, um, you know, which I don't think is, uh, you know, is ultimately a bad thing. No, I think in that scenario, we've all, you know, got to the point where, all right, this person is in a good position. They're at a good rhythm. Like everything we see, uh, as far as like when we check them off in our mind, we've talked about sensory motor. So we want to have a, a sensory type feeling that we're going to ask you some questions. What are you feeling? And then like the motor pattern, like what are we seeing your joints and bones? How are they lined up? If we can check all those boxes, we're pretty happy. If we don't get the sensory part, we're not like going to abandon it unless the sensory part is my back hurts, right? That That's mm -hmm. like, okay, that changes it. Before it was like, you're not feeling anything. And now it's elevated to, I am feeling something and it's the wrong thing. That's yep. when we're going to make a, a, a change of the exercise or, or some type of modification. But otherwise, some people have a tough time feeling anything while they do ab exercises. And we're okay with that for a little while. You know, Sometimes it takes a, a, a bunch of reps to start re-engaging, I guess you could use the word, uh, those muscles, especially in, in a scenario where there could have been a C-section or something. Yeah. The sensor, the, the wrong sensory is a great point. Yeah. That's huge. Because like, oh, I don't feel my abs. It's like, okay, like, you know, can we slow it down? Just maybe you do. We're like, okay, I only feel low back on my sit-ups. Like, all right, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? Um, and then people on top of like not feeling abs, I think maybe some people have an unrealistic expectation about how sore their abs are going to get after a workout. Now, I could relate to this to a certain degree because I remember being in middle school and doing those eight-minute, ten-minute ab videos, which are like eight to ten straight minutes of abs, which is totally unrealistic to be doing ab exercises for the full eight minutes. I'm just amazed you had videos in middle school. You're really young. <laughs> You're crazy. I like had newspaper articles and stuff. <laughs> remember when you would pick up that scribe? Yeah, to do the ab a, there was a scroll found in a cave from, from some ancient civilization. That's what I used. But the uh, but for for the eight to ten minute ab circuits back in the day, it was like my abs would get insanely sore uh, for doing eight to ten straight minutes of abs. 
Um, but like, I don't know if it were the most effective use of my time to actually engage abs. It was just kind of like one big giant eight minute set of which I was resting probably more than I was working because my abs are so fatigued and I was constantly only getting reps under high fatigue. So I was never accomplishing a full set of abs after that first minute of like, let me start fully recovered and let me go through full fatigue to the point of like ab exhaustion, the way a set kind of should be done. Like that's the way you can accumulate some, some legitimate volume of training a muscle. But I think like the, you know, the eight to 10 minute ab videos, they're kind of designed in the sales pitch of like, let me just feel abs the whole time. Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, I, I had my own things I did uh, in high school and shortly after, and all I wanted to do was just feel burning sensation of my abs for like five to 10 minutes straight. So, and, and I loved it at the time, whether yep, it did yep, actually yep. anything, like my leanness was probably what helped me most with my visible abs at the time, whether they were visible or not at points in my life. Um, but like, I don't really think I did much to the muscle other than made it feel like it was burning in the moment, yep. personally, when yep. I was doing those. Exactly. And then even the, the soreness is kind of like, uh, you, know, you feel sore the next day, but is that somewhat misleading? You know, like, yeah, my abs are really sore. Does that mean I like max, I did maximal effective work for ab training? You know, because again, I don't think that's uh, probably the best way to go about, you know, trying to stimulate ab muscle, you know, just eight, eight straight minutes of like crunches and leg raises and whatever other exercises you can think of. Yeah, for what it's worth, I haven't done minutes of ab exercises in a long time. I have little, little times Same. here or there where I'll maybe have gotten my workout done and had a little more time than I had planned on. I'm like, oh, I'll throw in some abs at the end. Maybe it's five minutes, but it's very, very rare at this point. I usually am prioritizing things that I think are more important than direct ab training for minutes at a time. So I rarely do direct ab work, at least right now in the current um, program I have myself on. Yeah, recently I've been putting it in my like. Fun oh yeah, day. I saw, I saw. Yeah, yeah you got, well, you have I'll some, do, you uh, have some fun. For, yeah, talk about a fun day. Fun you have days. some fun ab exercises yep. in there. So we'll do, uh, like, I'll do direct core training at a, usually a slightly higher rep range than what the program calls for in every other exercise. So if, like, right now, for example, if I'm kind of in this medium rep range um, or, yeah, medium to lower rep range, uh, so, like, a heavier type block, I'm going to go pretty heavy on my ab exercises too. Um, but I'm probably going to travel a little bit higher in the rep range. Like, say, for example, I'm doing 6 to 10 on most of my exercises. I'll probably go like 8 to 15 on ab exercises, but try to load them up enough that, you know, I actually go from full rest to full fatigue of abs in a set of 10 to 15. You know, I, I'm, I'm not going to do sets of 50 of crunches like I did back when I was in seventh grade. Um, but I, I definitely do want to still train abs to a certain degree. Um, and right now it's basically on like the fun day, which fun day right now for me is arms and abs. Oh, yeah. You know. Who wouldn't like a day like that? Yeah, it's perfect. Just a fun day. So it's almost like a day off, but you get to like enjoy it, you know. I have arms today. I'm going to do abs too. I have all, all this talk, I'm doing abs today. <laughs> I'm getting excited now. Um, uh, so we talked about uh, I don't feel abs. We talked about my abs are never sore. Uh, in a previous episode, we had mentioned that, you know, being sore is not always a direct indicator that you actually improved in that area of your body that you're sore in, although we both admitted that we like to feel sore after we've worked out mm -hmm. a certain muscle group, so take that for what it's worth. Uh, what would you say to the person who comes along to counter some of this and say, you know what, sit-ups are bad for your back. I heard that sit-ups are really bad for your back. I don't think I should be doing sit-ups. Yeah, so for, for ab training, there was a movement that probably, I would say, started 20 years ago. 
um, back when what you were you were like 50. <laughs> well, you know uh, what I think is really you just had a pun that you didn't even know it. it because I think I know where you're going with this. There was a movement for anti-movement, oh, right? This is oh, where you're going. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. It, so this is what happened, yes. right? That the industry took a movement towards no movement. Yep. It was like uh, neutral spine, which you know we we we're okay with neutral spine. We're not against neutral spine, but there was a point where like you could not be out of a neutral spine doing anything. And that's that's a huge disservice to a large population, especially athletes who, when they play their sport, are rarely in a neutral spine. Yeah. And so the, and where were you going with that? So the, yeah, and that goes that goes hand in hand with just like building resiliency and tolerance in all positions as much as humanly possible. That uh, like even like some of these studies, there was a study recently that talked about like how exercise technique is not nearly as important in keeping someone injury free versus volume accumulation being at the appropriate percentage on a week-to-week basis, mm. which I'm like, wow, to try having that conversation with a client, you know? Yeah. Like, hey, you know, your technique actually isn't that important. What's way more important is that you don't do too much too soon, Yeah. you know? And you think of two things that some people, like, really struggle with. It's that they do way too much too soon, then they get hurt, and they blame it on their exercise technique, when it's yeah. probably when they did it too much too soon. Side tangent. But uh, and it, for, when it comes to back, like uh, ab exercises that are being bad for your back, uh, the industry approximately 20 years ago, there was a guy – um, who was doing all these studies uh, that said any motion outside of neutral spine is potentially bad for your back. Uh, and the studies that were done, one, for example, was uh, just constant motion of the spine. Uh, and it wasn't done on humans, but it was just constantly going through this flexion moment that you would see in a sit-up. And over time, bad things happened to the pig spines. And then because of that, uh, yeah, flexing at the spine is bad. Uh, which is not necessarily that simple. There's been like follow-up stuff and a lot of conversations and going back and forth on uh, the validity of something like that. Uh, but ultimately, like sit-ups or flexing at the spine at all was considered bad, uh, as was like moving sideways and side bending, uh, as was kind of like bending backwards too far. So anything outside of that normal spinal curve that every human apparently should possess was considered detrimental to your low back. So like crunches and sit-ups and like uh, doing leg raises where the low back kind of lifts up off the ground at the top were all kind of given a bad name at that point in time, in which the way some of those things are done can be categorized as like high risk for your low back. Uh, but when done properly, like any other exercise, um, sit-ups and leg raises and crunches could all be great exercises to have your abs go through a full stretch to contract moment. Uh, to really stimulate abs as long as like you're not at too excessive of a pace or potentially uh, moving into and out of the largest range of motion that you don't have tolerance for yet. I think that's the big thing when it comes to sit-ups, leg raises, and crunches. In hindsight, like how many members and how many of us have done those exercises a lot over years and have never had back pain when doing them and haven't really had back pain ever after? Yeah, you know, um, it's hard to give them just a blanket statement. They're bad for you. Yeah, I, that, that's the the problem with that statement. Um, but stemming from that, what would you say? And I think this would be very helpful for people listening. What would you say to somebody who says my back does hurt when I do sit ups? Like not that not I've heard it does. Like it literally hurts when I do sit ups. Yeah. Well, let's let's kind of go back to what we were saying before. I think let's see how it's done. Let's see if there's a moment in that dynamic action that's taking place that when we see it, we're like, yeah, maybe this moment's what's bothering you. Let's avoid that moment 
of what's happening and then see if the pain is gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, if not, then let's just uh, not do it. Yeah. Like yeah. any other exercise. Yeah. You know, you're potentially flexion intolerant. You're doing these sit ups. And when you do them, you feel pain no matter how, no matter the pace or no matter how you do it, no matter the breathing strategy. We can't get you out of low back pain when you do flexion. Uh, so let's let's now regress to exercises that are either m- much lesser in range of motion or they're just isolation exercises. Yeah, yeah so I mean the, the whole reason we do assessments, right, is part of the reason is to find out exercises that are definitely not good for this person right now. So sit-ups is a classic one. Like a lot of people can't do a straight leg sit-up with their own body weight when they first start. And we'll try to coach. We'll try to see if we can get them into better positions. And if if they're associated with pain and we can't get them out of pain, we're like, you know what? Not a big deal. We just know that this is not a good thing for your program right now. And I'm going to find something that is a good for you. So usually it's regressing into a dead bug crunch. And that usually does the trick, right? Just like putting them in a different position. And uh, exactly what you said, less ranges of motion required for that exercise. And now all of a sudden they feel the right things. They don't have pain. And they'll start to build the strength that eventually maybe those sit-ups do become a good exercise for them. Yep. 100%. Okay. Uh, So so continuing on on these statements, the next one that we've heard a lot is planks are the best ab exercise, right? Absolute statement. YouTube heading, planks are the best ab exercise. (laughs) Everybody click my video. Yep. Yep. And uh, like if you're you're trying to stimulate your abs as much as possible from a hypertrophy standpoint to have them pop, that should be the headline of YouTube. Abs that pop do planks. That would be a great... Yeah. I remember someone said that recently. It was something I was reading. Like, if you want abs that pop, I was like, wow, that's, that's a such good a word. great marketing that's a good way word. To, yeah. Even the word pops itself. Yeah. The word pop pops. <laughs> and I think it was actually coming out of the screen as I read it a little 3D? bit. 3D? Yeah. Wow. Uh, but planks, uh, like, planks, again, with that, like, functional movement, uh, quote-unquote movement, <laughs> with, that, with that functional movement that took place, you know, 20-ish years ago when it got really strong, Planks were kind of considered the king of all ab exercises. Um, you know, let's hold this position and our ability to resist motion in all these, uh, you know, against gravity. Can I hold myself upright when my body wants to drop down? Can I push myself? Can I resist the force of uh, getting out of this position? If I can do that, then I'm functional because I could resist at the midsection. Um, so, like, that's kind of where they, I think, like, people started to say planks are the best functional exercise you could do. If you want to get better at anything in life, you have to be good at planks. Um, and then I think because they're an ab exercise, people started to say like, oh, well, if you want abs, you got to do planks. Hmm. When those are two much different things, you know, being good against you know, resisting a force and then uh, having doing an exercise that promotes ab hypertrophy or muscle growth are two completely different things. Um, and I think we could probably... Like, I think we could make a case for, you know, doing flexion type exercises like leg raises and sit-ups can promote just as much anti-extension strength like a plank would in many scenarios. And that's just, uh, that's just through observation of what we've seen with members, you know, like, I don't know the last time that I've like done a legitimate like plank as long as possible. But I've been able to do like a chain plank for a couple of minutes and I haven't really done a plank. I've been doing like mostly flexion exercises for ab exercises recently. So, you know, have I lost my ability to plank because I haven't done them? It doesn't seem to be the case. It seems to be more important to be strong in your entire body 
and probably not weigh too much, you know. And if you do that, then you're probably pretty good at planks. And just because you're good at planks doesn't necessarily mean you're super functional or that even that you totally lack function. Hmm. Nice. I mean, coming from somebody myself who I, I really don't personally like planks for my own program, I'm, I'm just incredibly bored by them. And that's a personal preference. And if you like planks, go do planks. You know, they're not they're not uh, the best exercise for you, like some people would say, um, but they're not the worst by any means. And if you like them, then that's a great exercise for you. Go do them. Uh, so James had mentioned flexion and anti-extension. If you guys are confused by those terms, we're going to get there pretty soon, uh, right after a few more statements that we break down. And a word from our sponsors. And, and, a, word, <laughs> and a word from our new sponsor, <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts. Um, we're going we're gonna to go through like our category, categories of ab exercises and uh, how we put them in programs. So stay tuned for that coming up in a few minutes. Before then, here's another common one. When somebody's doing uh, leg raises, quote, I feel my hips, right? So this person wants to feel abs, obviously, but all they feel are hips. And really where your front pockets kind of go down, if you were wearing jeans, that's kind of the area this person's mostly feeling. And we know what muscles they are, but what would you say to the people who, uh, who experience this? Yeah, so for people who are on their back doing some sort of leg exercise, number one, the, the first thing that we try to do is we try to get them to tuck their hips underneath them more to have a little bit better relationship between the ground and their low back, at least from a starting standpoint. So once those legs are up, uh, we've shortened the abs that maybe they could even feel some abs before they lower a leg or legs or both mm, legs. Yeah. Now, as they lower them, if they keep that tilt of their hips and they don't let their hips kind of go the opposite direction. So think of the pockets analogy. If I'm on my back, I want my pockets to turn and almost face towards the ground. The back pockets. So the, the top of your back pockets. I'm trying to I'm trying to make this as yep. clear as possible to people who can't see what we're doing with our hands right now. We're doing a, we're doing a lot <laughs> of stuff with our hands. Wait, how can you see my hands? Your, your back should be to me. Uh, <laughs> I snuck a peek. I got a I set up a mirror so I can watch you. So the back pockets are gonna are gonna the opening of the back pockets are gonna move towards the ground. They're gonna open up to the ground like as your butt lifts off the ground a little bit. Yeah, we, we, we a lot of times say tailbone will lift off the ground slightly. We use different verbiage for different people, but we're asking for the same thing. Um, I usually talk more about like the bottom of the pockets and that they'll sort of approach the ceiling more hmm. as you peel your tailbone off the ground. Uh, and it seems to make sense for people. But so so we've we've lifted the tailbone off the ground a little bit from the starting position, which really all that's happening to do that is tightening your abs. So ideally, you may start feeling some abs right there, and that's going to help you not feel hips if you can maintain that position. So go on. Yeah, and then if we're going to do like an, an alternating leg lower, popular exercise that we do, as we lower one leg, we're trying to keep that same relationship of that tailbone being off the ground-ish. Mm -hmm. um, so is it going to be on the ground? Yes. But are you still trying to fight it to stay off the ground as you lower a leg? Uh, that's the important part. And then if you do that, uh, your abs are going to work more and they're going to stay a little bit shorter. Now, what happens is if your pockets go the opposite direction, let's say uh, you create a huge gap from your low back to the ground and your tailbone starts to move off the ground and your part, your pockets start to, the back of your pockets start to move. How did you word it? Up? I'm, I'm confused myself now because <laughs> we're talking about, well, here's the problem. We're talking about pockets it's, that yeah, normally yeah, yeah. are stood up straight on the back of somebody's butt. And now we've laid that person down. And like, I think the top and the bottom have become different because I'm referencing the bottom of the pockets, which are now the top of the pockets in this position. And I think you might be doing it the other way around. Yep, exactly. So as your, as your leg is so lowering. So nobody has any idea what we're talking about right now. So as your leg is lowering, 
keep that low back somewhat pressing in the ground. At least that's a thought process as you lower the leg. If your hips start to go the opposite direction, and you'll know this by your lower back coming off the ground too yeah. much, then your hips are going to rotate the other way. And then as the leg lowers, when you go to pull it back up, you're probably going to end up using a ton of the front of your hip instead of Yes, ass. yeah. So you're putting yourself in a position where your body doesn't have much choice but to use that muscle in the front of your hip area uh, because you'll have greater leverage in that position through that muscle than you will your abs in that position. And what we just talked about, the um, position we would say is not optimal. If you've been around uh, our gym where we've coached you, we've probably come over and sort of slid our hand underneath your lower back while you were doing leg lowers at some point and said, hey, you see how I can get my hand in this space here? Can you take that space away? And usually the person will understand that we're asking them to tighten their abs and push their lower back down to the ground, which it'll happen simultaneously. That'll put some pressure on top of our hand. And we're like, good, I like that. Like now my hand is kind of stuck there. I can't really push it any farther in. And if you hold that position, now all of a sudden your abs have a, an ability to gain some leverage and uh, your hips not so much. Yep. You follow that? Yeah. Did, it, did, did you guys follow that? <laughs> <laughs> so in summary... Just keep that low back pressed down on ab exercises that the legs are lowering towards the ground, whether it be the alternating leg lowers, the leg only dead bugs, uh, or like the double leg leg raises. Um, keep that low back somewhat in contact with the ground um, so you end up using more abs versus your hip flexors or the front of your hips. Yeah. Same goes with uh, something that's very common to me if I'm not careful is uh, the front of my hip kind of pops or clunks, if you will. And... Um, that's sort of that muscle that runs down the front of your hip. And there's a tendon there that uh, if you're in a certain position will tend to, it sounds awful, but it's really not that bad. It's like rolls over the bone a little bit and it kind of moves. If you have your finger there, you can feel it. But people will feel like a, a popping sensation without pain. Um, and maybe they don't feel the muscle, but that's another sign that you might not be in an optimal position. And for myself, if I'm doing, like I talked about, like a five or 10 minute ab thing and I'm really fatigued, I'll notice that I start getting that feeling because I've gotten out of position. And then if I reposition myself, it goes away. So it's sort of a reminder to me, like I wasn't really training my abs to their full potential if, I, if I'm getting that. And I know that I've had uh, quite a few people on the floor mention that to me as well. Not necessarily huge, not necessarily like a big risk, but just uh, not a great thing to experience if you're trying to train your abs more. Yeah. So categories. So how do we categorize our, our core training or our ab training? Let's say we'll call, uh, we'll call anterior like the front of your abs. And think about everyone's seen in a magazine where like they have the six pack muscles highlighted. That's what we'll talk about first. So we call that anterior core. We call and, it a popping anterior core. <laughs> <laughs> popping ab muscles. Uh, and then the, the ways we kind of categorize those are you have anti-extension, which means extension is that moment at which you start to arch your back really hard. So if you're in a plank, your belly button will start going towards the floor. You'll be developing like a... Uh a sway bridge on your lower back a versus skate an, a, a skate ramp. Yeah, a That's skate that. Ramp. You, yeah, you say the skate ramp. <laughs> so your, your lower back will turn into a skate ramp. Um, and that's where you're starting to extend and you're not uh, performing an anti-extension exercise or, or you're, you're in an exercise, but you're not um, doing what's required of you in that exercise. So that's anti-extension. Yep. And then the goal of that is to resist that motion, right? So we don't want our stomach to drop in that plank position. And then we have flexion, which is kind of like the sit-up that we were just talking about before where, uh, you know, we're coming up and then we're actually do performing some sort of crunch where the front of my ribs start to move towards the front of my hips mm -hmm. um, and exercises associated with things that look like sit-ups. 
So we kind of have those two categories of anti-extension and then flexion as it relates to the anterior core or those six-pack muscles. Yeah, uh, and then we'd have all of our exercises that fall in those categories. Yes, yeah. On the programs that make it onto the program. Yeah, and we usually try to have like an even distribution of those so we're still doing some sort of anti-extension work and still doing some sort of flexion work. So we're at least creating some sort of resiliency uh, to both of those and we're teaching a good brace position of a plank, but we're also you know creating resiliency in flexion and uh, lengthening and shortening abs on those exercises that we would do. All right, so that's anterior, the front side of your abs, the, typically the six-pack muscles that everybody wants. And then we have, like, the lateral core. And then if you guys saw John's Instagram, those, those are those, uh, those obliques, those side ab region. And then if you do them right, you have, like, individual eight-packs on each side of your obliques to go with the six-pack, which creates a 22-pack <laughs> if we're keeping score. <laughs> and in John's modeling career, John had a 26-pack. You had those serratus on top of it, and you really got, like, a 100-pack at that point. Uh, but for lateral core stuff, we have like the, the stuff that moves you side to side. So everyone here has probably done like a side plank and a side plank <clears throat> hip taps. We'll use those as the example. Yeah. When we're in a side plank, we're resisting laterally flexing or moving sideways. When we do a side plank hip tap, we are moving sideways into that lateral flexion. Uh, so those are the two lateral flexion, uh, your ability to laterally flex and anti-laterally flex, the same way we just talked about anti-extension inflection so if i here's a, a picture i'm gonna to try to get for everybody for for this because i think it's a tough concept when we talk about anti-lateral flexion versus lateral flexion if you're just standing and i'm looking straight at you and uh you take your right arm and you reach down towards your right knee you will be laterally flexing towards your right side so your left side would have stretched out a little bit your right side would have compressed in your ab region and you would have reached down towards your knee if you didn't do that by you know compensating somewhere else other than your midsection. Now, if I look at you in the same position, I'm looking straight at you, and I put a weight in your right hand, and you don't move, now you're um, anti-laterally flexing, because let's say we put a 44-pound kettlebell, our purple kettlebells, put a 44-pound kettlebell in your right hand, and you that right hand did not go down towards the floor. Well, the left side of your body on those abs has kept you from flexing, so you're anti-laterally flexing. Boom, solid. Hopefully that, hopefully that helps you guys no, understand. That was perfect. And that basically, in a nutshell, is every every <laughs> anti-lateral flexion and every lateral flexion exercise. Yeah, yes. Yeah. It, it just so if you can imagine what that looks like and just apply it to different positions, that's what you're doing in those other positions too. So uh, another common example: uh, crunch heel taps. So we'll yep. hold a crunch and we'll tap the Penguins. right heel, tap the left heel. We're lying on the ground, so that time you're you're flexing right, flexing left, and you're just doing that repeatedly in a crunch position. So that would be a lateral flexion exercise. Boom. And then we have rotation and anti-rotation, which we still consider lateral core, just a little bit different. So if we've ever had you stand up and do uh, the two exercises of like the anti-rotation press, mm -hmm. where you take the band and you're turned sideways to the band and you press the band straight out in front of your chest and you bring it right back. And then as I demonstrate, as I explain the exercise, I actually do it. So I'm further away and then I'm closer. The band goes further away, and then it's closer. Wow. That was, let's see if that works. Let's see if that works with the microphone. <laughs> I think it did. Uh, so that was the visual, my voice, where your hands traveling to and from your chest. That was fancy. <laughs> uh, and that would be that we're resisting rotating. So the band wants to rotate us, and it's pulling us into rotation, but we're resisting it. And then the other one being like the actual rotation of the band. So we step away, and then we bring our hands. Let's say we're uh, – 
let's say we're facing one direction, we bring the hands towards the connection of the band. And then without arching too much or moving side to side, we just rotate our top half over top of our bottom half. And we bring our hands all the way from the connected portion of the band all the way to the other side of our body, which as we do that, if it's a band that we're actually doing it with, the resistance is going to increase as we go through that motion. Uh, so that would be an example of a rotation exercise with the band. And then the one where we're pressing the band in and out from our chest, that's an anti-rotation exercise. So if you've kind of followed along, we had our flexion and anti-extension, then we had our lateral flexion and anti-lateral flexion, and then we had our rotation and our anti-rotation. And that pretty much sums up all the core training categories that we would have our members do. Nice. I don't know where we are because I was too busy setting up a video and dropping the phone everywhere. So I think we finished category, categorizing core exercises, yeah? Is that what you just said? Should I juke out the Instagram audience again? I think that's your thing. Yeah. We're just gonna... <laughs> you look scared on that one. <laughs> that one you scared yourself. <laughs> um, all right, which brings us to the percentage of core training in your program. Yeah. This is going to vary a little bit individual per individual because we do custom programs. But in general, or maybe in the extreme scenarios, how much core training do we put in our members' programs? Yeah. So I'd say generally, and, and we're big numbers people here. And if, uh, if anyone on staff disagrees, you are now considered a numbers person. Uh, but we like to kind of categorize everything by percentages of, you know, where things are going to fall in a program. So generally speaking, of all the exercises that we're going to put in a program, maybe 20 to 30 of those exercises are going to be quote-unquote core exercises. And that might be more than, uh, than we actually program 20 to 30% or 20 to 30 exercises? 20 to 30% of okay. our exercises. All right, because that sounded like a lot all of a sudden when you said 20 to 30. Yeah, 20 to 30 different exercises per day on abs, <laughs> YouTube videos. That sounds a lot minutes. like you back in middle school. <laughs> Eight-minute abs. <laughs> 30 exercises, 30 seconds apiece. Um, so 20 to 30% of your exercises are going to be quote-unquote core training exercises. And a lot of that has to do with preference. If we're dealing with members that really want to do a ton of ab training, then we'll squeak in some extra ab work for them. Uh, if we're dealing with people who have high priority of upper and lower body and you know the whole ab, the, the whole ab training uh, conversation kind of came and went without any high priority or anything that the member mentioned in their assessment, that they have a high preference for, then we're probably going to do 15 to 20% of that program. Only because, like John mentioned, there's so many other things that are so much more important in regards to training your whole muscular system. And then not to mention, uh, when people say they want to train abs, what they're actually trying to tell us is that they want a six-pack. And if they actually want a six-pack, a lot of that's going to be obtained from a calorie deficit, way more so than high volume of ab exercises. Yeah, totally. Totally. That being said, John, what would you do? Let's say you have three exercises. Oh, in an I was going to ask you a similar question. You got to it first. Three exercises. What would you give the audience? You could do them right after this podcast. Pull oh, the car over. Hang on a second. Pull I thought, over. Okay, get out of the car. Wait. Find a safe spot and do John's ab circuit that he's going to give you. Three exercises. <laughs> that changes things because I thought you were about to ask me what three I would choose for myself. Nope. Ooh, ooh. What three would I give? I, I feel well, like well, I give them give them what you want. And then let's see who actually pulls over and does it. All right. Well, if, if we're going to go that route, number one would be a hanging leg raise. But You've I would find generally <laughs> not recommend this to most people who are beginners because I think there's way better things you could do with your time than hanging leg raises that most people can't do enough reps, in my opinion, to make it worth their while. But if you're at that point where you want to up your ante on the ab exercises, I've always done some form of hanging ab exercises. Like, I don't know why. I just love them. Um, so find a tree, like James said. Uh, and go do some hanging leg raises. Dead bug you crunches. You have ab straps 
in the back of your car. Yeah, just at all times. <laughs> uh, dead bug crunches. For some reason, I just think they're great. Like I think most people have an easy time getting into a good position and feeling some abs. And I think that's beneficial for some people, motivating for some people. So I would definitely put in uh, that. And um, geez, if I had to choose one more, I think it'd be some well done, uh, we call them simultaneous alternating leg lowers, otherwise known in the industry as scissor kicks. I think some well done scissor kicks at like a proper angle can do you guys really good. The scissor kicks where you swing your legs all the way up, all the way down, I tend to think most people aren't getting a lot out of those and they're, they're cheating and compensating through it. But if I've had people and they raise their legs to like a 45 degree angle off the ground or more and they do some small range of motion scissor kicks, I feel like those are money. So if I had three that do right now, which maybe I will go do them right now because I'm getting excited, <laughs> I would do those three right now. <laughs> I'll let you know so, how sore I am tomorrow, guys. I like it. So pull over right now. Go do those three exercises. If you're at your house, stop what you're doing. Turn off the podcast. Go do John's ab circuit. You're going to look just like him in five minutes. All right. So you're, let's ask a similar question. To you. Your all-time favorite ab exercise, something that you will always do. I can't imagine not doing weighted eccentric emphasis straight leg sit-ups i think that'll always that'll always find its way you know and coming up mm. just to the point that i'm not completely upright so i get still get some ab tension towards the top and i control myself coming down and right before the shoulders touch the ground right back up yeah yeah i, I think those will always play a role and like you said hanging knee raises are always a favorite for me and what i like what i like about both of those exercises is that we could load them to actually make them a little bit more challenging with a similar rep range as opposed to the progression of say something like uh, a plank being like the only means of progression really is time, you know, unless you're going to have somebody loaded up for you, um, you know, which anybody who does a plank here that's loaded, we usually use chains because it's the only way we can get our members to actually be uh, independent enough to load their own plank. True. Um, but I really like the fact that like you could load hanging knee raises with a dumbbell um, or you could do plate straight like sit-ups with a heavier plate or even go barbell and load a barbell, uh, hold two dumbbells, um, ways that you could actually load something like that. Um, cable sit-ups also a super favorite of mine. Also, cable rotations. All right, so you're so if you had three, it would be straight leg sit-ups weighted yep. with a, a slower lowering portion. Yep. Cable sit-ups, which are becoming a, a huge favorite of mine. And then um, what was the last one you said? Cable I'd rotations? Say, yeah, I'd say cable rotations over hanging knee raises, I think, yeah. if I had to. Well, I, I don't know what it is. If I'm on my own, I'm not doing cable rotations. But whenever I demonstrate one for a member, like I feel like I get, you know, 100 times out of one rep what I would get out of some other exercises. So like I, de I demonstrate like the best rep ever. I can't even hardly talk during it. And I'm like, whoa, my abs just yep. like definitely started popping right there. Yep. <laughs> it like makes me feel sick to my stomach when I do it. Uh, my heart rate goes through the roof, even if it's like not overly muscularly challenging. Like doing a set of 10 on each side, I look up at my heart rate, my heart rate's 88%. Yeah. I think that that's one that you got to be really careful. You don't, there's so many ways to yeah, compensate through yeah, that. that you know, you're, you can move so many little parts of your body to get from position A to B, right? So as you rotate across your body, that uh, a lot of the times I, I question whether somebody should be using this weight when I see that's on their program. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, I know you can accomplish the rep, but like if you drop to 20 pounds, like you might get a lot more out of your reps. So you just slow that down. Cause yeah. like I'll do uh, 30 to 40 pounds and I'll get a lot out of those. Totally. Yeah, yeah. 100%. So tough to coach, tough to do well, tough to do well repeatedly. Yeah. Yeah. That's another thing. As soon as you start getting fatigued, there's so many things that can, uh, so many muscles in your entire body that can kick in and help you get from position A to B that are not your abdominal muscles.
This being said, we're definitely putting together an ab circuit video for our summer shred program this year. And we're going to give it to anyone, anyone who participates. We're going to find a way that it's not like one of those ridiculous ones where it's eight-minute abs nonstop. Like we'll have some sort of interval set up. But John has already volunteered to be the guy to do the ab oh, sure. circuit. And then we'll figure out if he's going to do it shirtless or not. Like, is it too corny no, if he does it shirtless? I, yeah, you want not to. For summer shred. He wants to. No. If he doesn't do it shirtless, it's because we've decided that it's just too much. He looks too good. No, I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually in bulking season right now, so my abs don't look really like they used to. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but just wait. <laughs> By the end of summer shred, they're going to look better than ever. Because I'm doing the summer shred with my team. That's I'm going to bulk wow. this. This is lining up perfectly because I've been. Uh, quote bulking like just eating more than normal and training for muscle and then I'm gonna cut I'm gonna go back to my old cutting ways wow <laughs> and I'll cut hard wow. I'll be ripped and shredded All for right. summer so you heard it here first if you're drafted by John for the summer shred and yes there will be a draft this year if you are drafted oh, by yeah. John he's you better doing hope it you're with on you. my team he's yeah just like the turkey you. trim and if John can lose 15 pounds when he already when he only weighs 122 right mm -hmm. now then everybody uh, yeah you guys got no excuse <laughs> If, uh, if that ends up being the number that we decide, we're still figuring out exactly what that's going to look like. All right. All right, cool. All set. That's I kind of don't want to stop, but <laughs> here we are. <laughs> because now you have to do ads. <laughs> yeah. I just want to talk more about them and not go do them. All right. See you later, guys. Just laugh more. Peace out. Peace. Well, that was fun. Got to talk for a long time about abs, and I will say I did go into my workout a few hours after recording that, and I did do some abs, and I had a lot of fun, and I was a little sore the next day, so that's a little bonus on top. Here's your takeaways. Uh, number one, about not feeling your abs. We already answered this, but I want to just drive this home that not everybody's goal should be to feel their abs all the time. There's a lot of scenarios and situations uh, personally where people have a, a tough time feeling their abs. So get in as best position as you can and focus on not feeling the wrong things, like we said. So if you're feeling something that's not your abs, that's wrong, like your back or your joints in a bad way, that's a signal that you need to go, you know, change something. But if you're not actually feeling your abs in a specific ab exercise and you're working with a coach and they're like, hey, you look like you're in a good position, keep going, that is fine. Usually with time, people are able to feel those muscles the right way. Uh, the second takeaway, nobody likes to hear it, but it really is true. Abs are made in the kitchen, and that sounds so corny and cheesy, but like it's so true. Your diet is going to play a much bigger role on having visible abs than your direct ab training. That being said, people love to train their abs, uh, and we get it. Um, so don't get obsessed about training your abs, feeling your abs, and doing a whole bunch of reps and sets to find that burn. Um, you know, and hey guys, we like it. Like I, I did my abs, like I said, I felt that you know burning sensation a little bit, felt a little sore the next day. I like it, um, but that's not really the game changer for most people. It really is diet. So if you haven't done so yet, go back and listen to our fat loss podcast. That is gonna get you results on seeing your abs more so than doing that. Now that all being said, um, James and I, we, we fully admit we do direct ab work in our program. So we're not saying to take it away. We're just saying don't put such a high value on it. And that's all I got for you today. We will catch you next time.